What's more addicting, white sugar or cannabis? Technically, it's white sugar, all right? And we give our kids a lot of white sugar. Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In Conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. A healer and a leader, my next guest today is David Kunick, a man of many talents, a man of high energy, and a man with a high moral compass, essentially just someone you want to be around. He's known to most people as a pioneer in the cannabis community, having been an early adopter, advocate, and CEO of one of the first publicly traded cannabis companies in the United States. He's also the co-author of the book, The Cannabis Conundrum. And if you've ever gone to any major cannabis event, I'm sure you've seen this massive man donning his colorful cannabis blazer. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention how he could very well be one of the greatest super connectors of our time. David and I had a relaxed and candid conversation where we had the opportunity to really learn about David, him, and an obstacle that he hurdled. He openly shared how he struggled as a child through adolescence with a major disorder that he not only overcame, but turned this quote-unquote weakness into one of his greatest assets. He reminds me of the old adage that a boulder in the street is a roadblock to most and a stepping stone to others. We delved into David's philosophies on relationships, the importance of networking, and how he attributes most of his success by the people in his sphere of influence and the relationships that he has nurtured. It was a great opportunity to get into the mind of a man with so many vast and deep relationships all over the world and to learn about how he's built these bonds, more importantly, what he does to foster them. We discussed things like how paramount having the right mindset is, the power that trust yields, and the importance of follow-up. Needless to say, it's a good conversation for anyone who's interested in learning how successful people lead, go about their business, and what he likes to say, achieve greatness. If all this sounds appealing to you, then you should really enjoy my conversation with my good friend, David Kunick. How many of these have you done? You speak a lot. You, I uh, do speak a lot. And one of the questions in your thing that you said, like, is networking learned or is it innate? And I'm like, no, it's learned, 100% learned. But like myself, I was diagnosed with a major speech impediment. So I've been severe verbal apraxia. So I used to go to speech therapist. I was 23 years old. So I've been very used to practice in front of a mirror. And oh. inadvertently, that really taught me to say, hey... When you do your public speaking, when you go out and you talk to people, like... That's awesome. I, I did not know that. I doubt many people did know that. I'm sure a lot of people would challenge you on that. It's really interesting. There was someone else that was on my show. I don't want to say who they are because they're another pretty public yeah. figure. And what she was telling me is that she took a lot of voice lessons. So she had to unlearn. She had a, oh, I don't know if it was like a colloquial, like she sounded very Long Island. So she took lessons to kind of unwind that. So that's interesting and goes to the point of are you a natural or not? Yeah. So maybe you weren't a natural public speaker, but what about just these relationship skills that you have? Was that natural or is that something that you had to develop? I think I probably learned a little bit from my older siblings, being youngest of four with a 13-year difference, that a lot of it, it was just 
Learn from your siblings' mistakes. Learn from your parents' mistakes. Two ears, one mouth. Use them proportionally. And I saw my family members move all around the country, and I always wanted roots. I always wanted to have that network where if I'm ever in a pinch, I have someone I can rely on. And from there, just really cultivating relationships. Everyone made fun of me back in high school and college before there's text messaging and a bunch of emails. People are like, you keep this address book. And you call people like almost like once every two months, no matter what. I'm like, yeah, because you know what? It's just a phone call. You brighten someone's day. It takes 15 seconds, 20 seconds to say, hey, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. I hope all is well. And that goes a long way. And what are you looking for when you do that? I won't say so much looking for something. It's more of being a former Boy Scout, doing a good turn daily, brightening someone else's day. Just saying, hey, you know what? I'm still here if you ever want to talk. And just showing that, hey, I'm making the effort to still be there and to be a factor in your life. And how has that skill set or that muscle that you've built, how has it served you in your life? I think it's really served me in the, in the point where the key to my success is networking. And I'm very blessed. I've, on paper, technically started 13 companies in 15 years. I've sold several of them. And it's all just been through networking and just through relationships. And some people are a big believer in powers in the universe. Some people are a big believer in about positive karma and it'll all come back to you. Maybe that's what it is. Just if you do the right thing, it's going to come back to you. It seems like a pretty simple uh, science, right? Yeah, pretty simple. It's like, it's kind of like do the right thing. And a lot of us are afraid to do the right thing. And a lot of us are afraid to put ourselves out there to get hurt. I mean, I wear my heart on my sleeve. People that really know me, I have a tattoo that says all hearts. Everything I do, put all my heart into it. If not, it's a waste of my time. And there are flames around. It's like the sun's eternal, lasts forever. And yeah, have I been burned a bunch of times? Yeah, I have. But when I went through some of my toughest struggles... I had no idea how amazing my network was. When people were like, hey, we have your back. Hey, can I help you out with anything? Hey, I remember not being able to go out to dinner for a couple of months. I just didn't have the money. And some people were like, hey, we haven't seen you out at the bar or at the restaurant. We've been, I can't afford to go out, guys. Don't worry about it. You know, you've had our back so many times. Come on out. Let's just get you out. Let's just talk. It's about just kind of paying forward. And at the end of the day, it all kind of just washes itself out all evenly. So. Completely agree. So for those who don't know who you are, I'm sorry we started a, got uh, this off a little uh, unconventionally. Tell everybody who you are, what brings you here today, some of the things that you've done besides those 13 companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my name is David Kunick. I'm a uh, physical therapist by trait, but really an uh, entrepreneur for my career. The irony is, is that I've really never taken a business class. I just happen to be good at business. Go figure that one out. Kind of what brings me here today is I met you through a networking group. That's right. And I actually kudos to you because the one person I was trying to meet for almost a year, I met at one of your networking events. And I'm proud to say, actually, as of literally a couple of days ago, I just renewed another one-year contract with them as a client. Awesome. So yeah, thank great. you, man. I appreciate yeah, that because you never know what's going to yeah. happen. And what brings me here today is that I'm a big believer in paying it forward and teaching and educating others. As a medical practitioner, our code of ethics is to empower people with information and knowledge. And when it comes to networking, not everyone knows how to do that. Some people are afraid to get out of their comfort zone and actually learn how to network. And if I can help someone else become successful, that's great. Over the last 15 years, I've hired over 300 people. I'm very fortunate that 11 of my former employees now all own their own companies. That's great. I have over 25 foreign employees that are all senior management levels of other companies. 2010, one of my companies won the Alfred Sloan Award. We were voted one of the top 10% of small businesses to work for in America. And I give everyone profit sharing. I let everyone earn quarterly bonuses. And good thing you're sitting down. I gave 
everyone unlimited paid vacation time, which people couldn't understand that concept. This is back in 2010? 2010, yeah. yeah. People couldn't understand this concept, but I said, listen, if you provide a work environment where people like to work and succeed, they're not going to want to take two or three weeks off. They'll go, they'll take that week off and go and de-stress, spend time with their family and their loved ones. In the summertime, I used to give everyone a three-day weekend. If you get worked on Monday through Thursday, take off every Friday for the entire summer. Go have fun with your family. Go have fun with your friends. Uh, you should be rewarded for the hard work that you do. So one of the things that you forgot to mention when you're talking about yourself is uh, an author. Yes, uh, I'm very proud to say that I just co-authored a book called The Cannabis Conundrum. I'm one of several authors in the book where we really just kind of talk about the cannabis sector and what it takes to be in the cannabis sector and how it's so much bigger than people realize. This really is the modern day gold rush or the modern day prohibition. For someone my age, it's kind of our modern day tech boom. And uh, I'm proud to say I was asked actually through networking. Yeah, I uh, I want you to share that story. uh, Through networking uh, about this book. Well, long story short, the main author, Dr. Rob Strassfield, I met him back in 2011, 2012, and I wanted him to do some work for one of my companies. It just didn't work out, unfortunately, but we kind of kept in contact here and there. I was actually going to a cannabis event in Rhode Island in 2015. I had about an hour and a half to kill before the event because I got there early. There's a restaurant right across the street. So I sat at the bar, grab a drink, grab a bite to eat. Golf is on. Start talking to some random guys at the bar. We start talking about golf. We start talking about what we do for our careers. The guy tells me that he's a publisher and an editor. I've always told him, I've always wanted to write a book, a co-author book. It's always been a dream of mine, a goal of mine. We exchange business cards. Barely talked to the guy for about two years. He sends me a random text message that literally just says, Hi, my name's Walter. I met you two years ago at a bar in Rhode Island, which is now ironically closed. I'm putting together a book about cannabis, and you really intrigued me. i like you to be part of it. Please call me. And the rest is history. All just from networking. Wow, interesting. I mean, again, kudos to you, but also kudos to him for staying in touch. And how was that experience of writing the book? It was interesting, mainly because you're trying to make sure when you're being a co-author, you're working with several other people, and you have to make sure the message flows evenly, and the book flows accordingly. So when you're doing some of the rewrites, you're also comparing what you're doing with some what the same tone of voice, same mm, attitude yeah, as the yeah. other authors. You want to make sure that kind of flows together. So um, it took a little bit longer than expected, but it was a great experience. I look forward to doing another one. And a personal goal of mine yeah. is to actually have a book out by myself. And I hope to have that done within the next couple of years. Interesting. How long did it take you? For this, the whole overall process took about six to seven months. That's actually pretty quick. For my part, yes. I can't speak for the other parts, but for my part, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's still a pretty quick turnaround. I'm in the middle of writing a book. It's been going on for, I started the writing, God, probably two years ago. I'm Mm -hmm. co-authoring it with someone else. But same thing about going back and forth, keeping the same tone, being consistent. That's definitely, I don't know if it's a challenge, but it's work. That's a good, it definitely is. Yeah. So good experience. When did the book come out? It literally came out in the middle of October, early October. Yeah. So I have a feeling that you've got a lot of those kinds of stories. So we didn't actually meet at a networking group. We met through Heidi Simon. Yes, we I did. Yeah. Yes, we did. So yes. Someone yes. that you probably know through one of your groups yes. or she's up there. I would consider her a major super connector also. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was actually one of uh, her good friends who's a real estate person. And that real estate person actually came to one of my charity events. And he knew someone from my board for the charity for many years and didn't realize that the woman, her name's Dina Muscola, phenomenal networker as well too. Dina's known me for over 20 years. Dina told Tony, Tony, you need to meet 
Dr. David, he's a great networker, he has a lot of contacts, Tony and I met, and then from there it was Heidi, then Heidi introduced me to you, and yeah. the rest is history. Yeah, that's, so. that's great. So cheer, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, that was great. So yeah, she hit the nail on the head. She mm-hmm. calls me up. I can't remember if she was at an event or at the event, but she calls me up. She says, listen, I met a kindred spirit of yours. You need to meet him. And uh, that's all I needed to know. Some of the beauties of networking, when you have relationships with people, trust is transferable. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to go through the vetting process. I didn't usually, if uh, someone wants to meet me or something, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'll look them up. I'll look them up on LinkedIn. I'll do a little Googling. I'll see who who I know and I'll have to go around and triangulate. But it was nice that someone that I trusted made the introduction. So I was like, okay, great, good. I just saved a whole lot of time. The attitude that I can go into without any skepticism is awesome. Okay, now how can I benefit you? That's probably around 215, 216, right? 2015, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. same same time frame. So how do you want people to think of you? What is it that when they hear David Kunick, what do you want them to associate with you right away? Right out of the way is really one as a professional networker. Yeah. I'm very blessed to have a lot of local, regional, national, and also international contacts. For lack of a better term, you and I were kind of talking about this before, kind of like a general contractor. I've been very blessed where I've been in the cannabis sector for the last seven years. And I've been in the cannabis sector in three different countries and also in over 10 different states. So if you're getting interested in, if you want to get involved in the cannabis sector, whether it's growing, a dispensary, ancillary services, which I highly recommend to a lot of people, I love to be able to connect you with someone, whether you need that SEO person, that website design, that proper lawyer in the canvas sector, an accountant, security. Here's a great little factor, especially in the tri-state area. If you want to open up something, whether it's a dispensary or a grow operation, spend the thousand dollars and get a proper outside agency to do a security plan for you. You can actually give something then tactilely to the town officials, to the state officials. And that goes a long way. And people don't think about that stuff. So Mike Rigo was on the show. And that okay. was before he became the CEO. Oh, I forgot the name of Temesco Wellness. Okay. His niche was the security. I mean, the amount of people usually came to him at last minute in the 11th hour because they didn't realize how important the security piece was. So you're 100% right. And I appreciate that. And the second factor that I always like people to think about me is we all have different mottos. And one of the biggest mottos that I use for all my consulting business is, are you willing to achieve greatness? Because we all have greatness inside of us that we can all reach, but a lot of times we're afraid to go achieve it. So you have to be willing to achieve it. And as I tell everyone, are you willing to achieve greatness? Because a lot of us are out there, great positive vibes, positive energy, people that can help each other out, but are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept greatness? And are you willing to go after it? Because a lot of times we get scared and we settle. And there's no reason to settle. We have so much opportunity. I mean, that's why we're here at Network Wise, Mm. is that there's so many people we can connect with and talk to and help each other out and just keep paying it forward. Walk me through situations where either you've been introduced to good people or you've facilitated introductions that have turned into something that's blossomed? Uh, I mean, I know there's so many, but and I'm sorry to just... No, 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 no. It's a great question. So great example of the book, you know, just met someone and then through another contact, another contact, you know, meeting you. And here we are now as another great example. But a great example is... Oh, uh, you introduced me to Vaglio. Yes, I did introduce Chris. Yeah, so, Chris is his character. He's great. It, yeah. And what's funny is that if you were to ask me over the last year, who's one of the best networkers I would recommend, it's actually Chris Vaglio. Yeah. And the reason I recommend Chris is that when I was leaving one of my other companies and forming two other companies, Chris was very inspirational because he's seen me since my very first company I ever had back in 2004. So he's seen the whole process. 
And he's like, hey, maybe you should go meet this person. Hey, maybe you should go meet that person. And a, uh, a great connection is I used to be a CEO of a public trade company. I'm not even 40 years old and I have 18 years experience in the private sector and over seven years experience in the public sector. I'm kind of a dual headed dragon, which is very rare. A lot of public trade companies spend way too much money on a publicist. I have a phenomenal publicist who does great work and she's very affordable. And she got me on CNN, MSNBC, USA Today. So I just talked to her, say, hey, you've helped me out so much. How can I help you? And what up happening was I connected her with about six or seven leads and she landed four of them. And now she has a whole nother sector to her business because of that, which is just great. Is she in cannabis specific or? No, or? she's everything. I, I've gotten her hooked up with an auto parts company, an energy company, a cannabis company. And people are just amazed with how good of a job she does. Because the other good thing about her too is that she doesn't just take anyone. She actually interviews you to see if she can help you. And a lot of my clients were very impressed by her because they say, wait, she didn't just take my money. So here's a contract. She interviewed me to see if she could even help me. I was like, well, those are the type of people I work with. Someone that will help you if they can. If they can't, they'll help steer you in the right direction. How important is your name when you're putting your name behind somebody when you're making an introduction? Extremely important. As we grow as a networkers, a mistake that I made probably in the late 2000s was when I started introducing certain people, I didn't vet them as well. Sometimes I was a bad networker where I was like, oh yeah, here you go. Here's an introduction and that's it. I never followed up. That's something where you, you just learn from your mistakes and try not to make them again. Now that my name has gotten out there a whole lot more between the book, I also do different public speaking for the medical field and also for the canvas field. So I'm a lot more particular about my introductions and making sure that they're quality referrals. Just because, especially in the cannabis sector, if you screw someone over or if you're not a genuine person, it's known very quickly. It's a very, very tight-knit sector and everyone's trying to help it everyone else. And if you're not, or if you're give someone a bad lead, it's a reflection on yourself. Yeah. The call that I had before you and I met this afternoon mm-hmm. was actually me apologizing to somebody for an introduction that I made. Mm-hmm. So a gentleman came introduced to me. I actually know him through three other people. All three people have said good things about him. He's fantastic. He calls himself a super connector. The contacts reflect that. Mm -hmm. So I introduce him without meeting him. I did not meet him. I was going on the three referrals and the triangulation that I did. And I referred him to someone who's a fantastic contact. The guy bailed on him three different times. Three different times. Yeah. So horrible. I just a downright to the point where I'm going to have to even call him to say, I really, I'm disappointed that this is something that you did. You were a reflection of me and you reflected poorly. Yeah. So that's why I ask. I mean, unless you really know somebody, it's tough. And the other thing is too, that something that you brought about networking. It's also half times about just showing up. And that's what people don't realize. Uh, mentioned Chris Vaglio. He runs a networking group in New York City and now they're expanding into New Jersey. And it's invite only. They had the very first meeting ever in New Jersey. He invited me. It would be extremely tough for me to make the meeting. But you know what? Chris, you're a great networker. The fact you thought of me and invited me, you know what? Let me try to move a few things around and let me make it no matter what. And you know what? That meant the world to him because I showed up and it was a great phenomenal networking group. And I'm so happy I went, but half the time just showing up yeah. and communicate. And that really goes a long way. And you know, and I know it's also getting on the phone, just talking to someone. If people need a piece of advice from this podcast, if it takes more than three text messages or more than three emails, pick up the phone and call someone. There's no tone of voice. There's no emotion. You get so much done in a five-minute conversation. Yeah, I so totally agree. And you're excellent at that. You are so good at just staying in touch. How do you do that, especially with the, the network that you have? Like you said, it's international. 
I mean, it is broad and it's deep. Do you use their contact system that you use or what do you do? I use a few different things. One, I use a whiteboard. I actually have two whiteboards in my house. I have one for my long-term goals for the entire year and then I have my short-term goals for the next two to four weeks. I also will give myself reminders in my calendar. Hey, you haven't talked to this person in two weeks, make sure you reach out to them. And the other thing is too is just coming up with a planned date. The one thing I think is really interesting is when you're networking with someone, hey, you know what? We have some synergies. You're working on some things. I'm working on some things. Adam, when should we reconnect in your eyes? Hey, you know what, David? Let's reconnect first week of December. You make a note. Reconnect first week of December. That easy. All right. It really is that simple. And it's two ears, one mouth. When I hire someone, I look for three qualities in someone and the same qualities I presented myself. One, be proactive. Two, have the ability to listen. And three, have the willingness to learn. And it's amazing how many people don't have the latter two. You can be proactive, but it's amazing how many people just don't have the ability to listen. You told me first week of December. So why am I going to pester you every week in November when I know, hey, I'll talk to you first week of December. Maybe I'll give a friendly note. Hey, Adam, first week of December, so work for you. Looking forward to catching up. This is a nice, simple reaching out. It goes a long way. Why do you think most people drop the ball? when it comes to relationships? Personally speaking, I think a lot of people are selfish. Yeah, I would agree. That's really comes down to. And I actually relate networking a little bit because I am a single guy to dating where the guy's always making the first move, always trying to push, hey, let's talk on the phone, let's go do something. And you get a text message back or you get an, an email. A great example is this. Recently, one of my good girlfriends went through a really bad breakup and plus then her dog died, felt horrible. Mm. Sent her flowers. I just got a text message back. Thanks. A week or two goes by. We end up meeting for a cup of coffee. And I kind of busted her chops. I said, so-and-so, how long have I known you for? She's like, oh, David, I've known you for like nine years. And I go, yeah. I'm like, uh, so did you get the flowers? Yeah. I, I, didn't you get my text? I said, thanks. And I go, well, how does that make you feel if you sent me flowers and I just wrote back thanks? She goes, oh, I'm pissed off at you. I'd be angry. I go, well, think about it. You know, it's just a small little human contact. Mm-hmm. And I think we get too into technology. And I think that's why a lot of relationships fail is that people don't want to make the effort. When I went through a huge transformation phase and my network was really supportive, I kept on hearing the same exact thing from a lot of my network. David, you might not show up for a very long period of time at events when we invite you, but you make the effort and you show up. One of my good friends, their nickname for me is White Rabbit because I go to all their events, but I'm only there for about a half hour because I always got stuff I got to do, but I make the effort. And that's what it's about. Just make the effort and show up. Yeah. What is, is it Warren Buffett? 80% of success yeah. is, is just to show up. Like yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's why our relationships just, we don't follow up. We forget if we don't get that immediate feedback, like, oh, you can't help me right now. Then why am I going to talk to you? The book is a great example. I had talked to him for almost two years, but you know what? We kept in contact a little here or there and I made a positive impact. Yeah. Making, adding value. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of people, I, I think to your point is, uh, I guess the selfish, if, if you can't do anything for you, I'm sorry, if you can't do anything, anything for them, yeah. yeah. easy for me to say first day of my new tongue. What are some of the goals that you have? You said you've got a whiteboard, you've got some things modeled out. Care to share? Yeah, sure. Of course. So I do a lot of investor relations work now. So I have certain goals I want to hit for commissions that I want to make. Mm-hmm. I also teach what's called UCS, which stands for Use Cannabis Safely. I have different goals where I want certain medical practitioners, doctor's offices to actually be able to talk about cannabis in a proper way to their patients. To actually say, hey, you know what? Here is an alternative form of medicine. You don't have to use it, but you know, it's my duty as a medical practitioner to teach you that. 
No, in reality, one of my goals, because I used to live in southern Maine, right on the beach, and I love to go surfing. I want to buy a house around the beach in southern Maine. Right. I don't want to live there year-round, but you know, it's just one of those long-term goals. Yep. And this is going to sound really cheesy, but the ultimate goal is I want to be able to do a public speaking event with at least 300 people and stick a $100 bill underneath everyone's chair. Like and that. in the very beginning, I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to me speak. Reach underneath your chair, and this is my gift back to you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah. Maybe it sounds cheesy. It's just one of those things I just, I just want to do. It's a way to give back. And I always tell someone, if you're going to come pay and listen to me speak, there should be a reason why. You should get something out of it. And plus, it's just a way to give back. Yeah, that's great. Well, speaking of giving back, you just hosted a few months ago an event. My understanding was that the ticket price was uh, the proceeds were went towards a charity. That's, That's correct. Right. Yes. Yeah. Two parts. So one, back in 2012, I was taking a leadership class, and our class was affected by Hurricane Sandy. So me and two other people actually formed their own charity group in 2012, and to date, we've put on 23 events so far, which is great. And we always get back to a different charity. What's the name of the event? It's called MD Squared. Okay. And we got the name because we had two D's and one M. Okay. And we need to think of something easy and catchy. So as yeah. a joke, I called it MD Squared. And it always stuck. But yes, I actually planned an event called Cannabis Industry Awareness Programs. And all the panelists donated their time. And we took 100% of the ticket proceeds and we donated towards charity. And the charity we actually donated for was for uh, victims of child abuse. I didn't think it was that big of a deal donating 100% of the proceeds to charity. But the standing ovation we got in the room was very heartfelt, warm, and made us all teary-eyed on the panels because that's what it's about. It's giving back, helping out someone else. And I tell people, if you're fortunate enough to survive some bad things that happen to you and you can rise up from it, you know, give back. We'll rejoin our conversation in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast as well as our other episodes, please support us using Patreon. Just visit patreon.com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Thanks for listening, and now let's rejoin the show. There's a great Hollywood saying, I love the quote, I say it as often as I can. It's, if you're fortunate enough to get to the penthouse, don't forget to send the elevator back down. Yep. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, you should just give it where you can. A lot of people just stay up there. Oh, and it's amazing. Like, uh, so great example, I have a parking garage where I live and the guy at night who's a parking tenant has been there for several years. He's a big soccer fan. I found out what soccer team he likes. I got him a scarf. It cost me $20. And this guy was so elated that for Christmas last year, I gave him a scarf of his favorite soccer club. And he was elated. He's ecstatic. He's like, why? I'm like, you know what? You've always helped me out over the years. Have I ever had a problem? You know, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. The smallest gesture can go a very long way towards other people. Oh, ain't that the truth? So you're passionate about cannabis. What has been some of the biggest impact of uh, either events that you've put on or just the knowledge share that you've been a part of? Because in my opinion, a lot of what's going on is just a matter of educating people. You know, it is. So, and I know that you've been a big proponent and you were been going 24-7, spreading the word, getting people educated, having to battle against people that are just ignorant. It's just mm-hmm. not their fault. They were just taught since an early age, this is bad without any substance behind why it's bad. So I'd love to hear about your ride, if you will. Well, the ride has been extremely interesting. When I first got involved in the campus sector back in 2011, Everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, what are you doing? 
you're nuts. You're a physical therapist and you're a personal trainer and you do some public speaking. Why are you doing cannabis now? But people didn't really see that long-term play. Living in North Jersey, we are in the pharmaceutical capital of the U.S. So it's been a lot of an uphill battle talking about what CBD is, how uh, CBD does not contain enough THC to test positive. There's no psychedelic effects. How CBD can be very helpful, especially for grown men that have a lot of stress in their lives. It helps decrease their cortisone levels. So just really breaking it down into a very simplistic way to teach the public and to teach others. I try to teach at a third grade level. Because remember, when if you have a kid in third grade, some people learn visually, some people learn verbally, some people learn tactile. And when you're teaching someone that has a prefixed idea about cannabis, you have to teach them like a third grade student and really break it down for them. So that's the biggest uphill battle I see. The second biggest uphill battle is that Sometimes people think they know more. And that goes back to what I said before, have the ability to listen and the willingness to learn. There's great research being done overseas about cannabis, and we're just slowly finding out about it now. This is an ever-changing sector. They say every year you're in the cannabis sector is like being in another industry for four years because the rules and regulations are constantly changing. Yeah. Oh, it's nuts. So any stories in particular of people that were so extreme in one area, you were able to get their ear and either bring them to the other side or at least... Sure. Some of my favorite quotes ever, all right? I always call cannabis modern-day penicillin. It took 16 years for penicillin to be allowed in the U.S. A lot of people forget that. But then I love when people say cannabis is a gateway drug. (laughs) And I tell them this, very simple. Is alcohol a drug, yes or no? Yes, it is. Okay, did you give your kid the first sip of alcohol or the first joint to smoke? Pretty much gave your kid the first sip of alcohol, right? If you really want to take another step further, great. What's more addicting, white sugar or cannabis? Technically, it's white sugar, all right? And we give our kids a lot of white sugar. And when I break it down like that, that's when a lot of people get that, oh, that aha moment. The light bulb goes off in their head, especially when I give the analogy between what do you give your kid first, a first sip of alcohol or cannabis? What's alcohol? 99% of the time. And then people say, oh, I never really thought of it that way. One of my favorite stories ever was I was raising money from an investor and the investor wanted nothing to do with the cannabis sector at all. But I was raising money for a testing lab and where I told them we don't grow it, we don't sell it, we're like the FDA of cannabis. And the investor was like, ah, I still don't really know. And he was eating an orange. And I said, oh, great. I go, can you please show me your garbage can? Guy goes, why? I go, just show me your garbage can. He goes, yeah, it's right underneath the office sink over there. I go, I grab the garbage container. I look down and I say, you see that orange peel down there? He goes, yeah. I go, why don't you eat that instead? Oh, that's disgusting. That's been there for like four or five days. Why would I eat that? I go, well, you're going to take cannabis and I have a test in? That cannabis might have mold on it. That's equivalent over a week old or two weeks old. That might have some pesticides or heavy metals on it. The investor just went, I never really thought of it that way. I go, great. You give your kids fruits and vegetables. You want to make sure it passes FDA test. Well, of course. Same thing with cannabis. It's what we use as medicine. Then from there, it made sense, and the guy wrote a check. What would you say is the, in terms of, from a networking perspective, how prevalent is it within the cannabis world? And what has some of the networking that you've done within that space, how has it helped to move things along? I think for myself, what's really helped in the networking space of cannabis is 
being in tune and also doing your education for different parts of the country. What happens in New England is different than what happens in Colorado. Very different. What happens in Colorado is different than California, is different than Nevada, is different than New York, New Jersey. Everyone does business a slightly different way as well too, depending on what part of the country you're in. So in terms of networking, having that ability to relate to so many different regions of the country has been a huge benefit. And the second part is this, in the cannabis sector, there's a lot of what we call newbies. People have been on the sidelines and now they're jumping in both feet, but I know it all. I know it all. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. No, it's not the case. There are people that have served their time, that have been in this sector. There's a woman by the name of Ellen Brown. She's one of the top growers in all of America. And she's a female. She doesn't say she's a female. Hey, I'm just one of the top growers. She also served in the Air Force as well, too. And you'd be amazed how many people will go up to her and say, oh, you're not a good grower. I've been doing this for a year. I know what I'm doing. You talk to her. No, this is one of the top growers in the entire country. Shake your head a little bit. Make sure you get through the door and learn from someone else. Have those two ears in one mouth. Are there certain questions that you have when you meet people for the first time? Like walk me through a scenario. You go into an event. You're at a can- whether it's a cannabis, whether it's a medical, whatever the event is, mm-hmm. do you have some, some canned questions that you ask or is it, are you the first person? I mean, obviously people, you know, you're larger than life uh, <laughs> and you usually have a pin on or usually have your jacket or something. So before people get a chance to come up to you, yeah. do you have, is there a mindset that you have going into an event or how do you go about approaching people? Real quick, just for the audience, I've been wearing a cannabis jacket, uh, cannabis pot leaf jacket for seven years. Yeah. If I don't wear it, sometimes people don't recognize me. So it's a blessing and curse, but it's great for branding. Yeah. So great for networking. A great question about what you were saying. My mindset is this. One, do you even have a business card? This goes a long way. Because mm-hmm. it'd be amazing when people say they're doing something in the sector, but they don't have a business card or they're doing something, unfortunately, I have to say black market, which listen, I don't want to even be associated with you. Yeah. But I go in there. Okay. What's your business? Where are you currently with your business? Do you need to raise money for your business? Do you have a patent for anything? And most importantly, what's your exit strategy? The biggest thing that I see in the cannabis sector is everyone comes in, Adam, I have the special sauce. Oh, trust me. Oh, I'm going to change this cannabis sector by storm. Great. Do you have a patent? What's your business plan? What's the ROI for investors? Oh, I don't have any of that stuff, but trust me, you need to listen to me right now. And the biggest, and this is a piece of advice I take for everyone when it comes to networking. I was given this piece of advice three years ago, and I wish I learned it 10 years ago. If someone is serious about getting to know you and to network with you, when you say to them, hey, this is a large event, I have your business card, you have my business card, would you like to book a time right now to talk in a week, or let's connect tomorrow, and let's pick a day and a time to talk for 15 to 20 minutes. Great advice. All right? And this is what I find out from the real, the people who are serious about networking versus non-serious. The serious networkers say, you know what? Thank you for saying that. I'll follow up with you tomorrow. Let's book a day and time to talk. Great. The non-serious networkers say, no, 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 no. Just talk to me right now. No, no. Just give me 20 minutes right now. I'm sorry. If I want to give you my undivided attention and I'm willing to give you my time and focus just on you one-to-one, why won't you want to take me up on that opportunity? Why are you forcing to tell me everything that's going on right now? Because then when those people say that, I say, great, you reach out to me. Here's my card. Here's my information. If I don't respond to your email within 48 hours, please call me or email me again. I'm giving you permission to harass me. Mm-hmm. And I say that to people all the time. And it's so many people never follow up. Yeah, that's a big pet peeve I have. And now, you brought up a couple of great points in that scenario. So number one is what's your rule of thumb to get back to people? Mm-hmm. Like you said 48 hours. So yep. Okay, that's one. The other thing that I wanted to ask is if you 
take it upon yourself to follow up with somebody else or do you wait for them typically? Two part answer. Okay. If someone really wants to engage me and talk to me, it's like, hey, I really want to talk. Do you have 10, 15 minutes? And if I say to them, hey, you know what? Let's pick a time and place. You reach out to me, then I'll let them follow up with me. Yeah. Okay. But if it's someone that I really want to talk to, I'm proactive. I don't wait. Great example, once again, Chris Faglio, that networking group. I met six people that I want to connect with right away. I followed up with them that afternoon. And we got something on the books within two weeks. And that was the proactive one. So yeah. it goes both ways. I love what Chris, back to Chris for a second. Yes, Chris, we're giving you some good plugs. <laughs> Hopefully you're checking this out. I love his LinkedIn friends. Yep. Have you seen that? I've been on it, yes. Oh, you've been on yes, it? Yes, I've been on know. it. You should have tagged me. I'm going to look it up. So for those who don't know, Chris does a really cool thing and... It's, it's funny before he, or either maybe he had already been doing it, but I thought of doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And then when he told me about it, I'm like, ah, oh, you beat me to it. I think it's fantastic. What Chris does is he takes five minutes, 10 minutes. What is the... this? Not even five to seven minutes. Yeah. Long. It's just such a great thing. And what he does is he kind of profiles his friends. He sets up a video. He does an interview just similar like this, usually through Skype or Zoom or mm-hmm. whichever medium that he uses. And he just asks a couple basic questions to give an opportunity to kind of use his platform to promote who they are and what they do. And I think it's fantastic. I love what he does. There have been a couple of the people that I've seen that he's profiled that I thought would be good for other people to know. So I've mm-hmm. shared that and I'm sure other people are doing the same thing. And if they're not, they should be. Chris was a great example of just one networker to another networker where he reached out to me just as a friend and said, Hey, David, I'm sending a few leads. You really need to update your LinkedIn because I can't refer you too many more leads until you update a few things. You know what, Chris? Thank you. I didn't even think about that. You know what? You're absolutely right. I totally forgot to write, talk about the book. I've got to talk about one of my Canvas Industry Awareness programs on my LinkedIn. And he's like, David, you need to write about these things. And just... We're always helping each other out. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the keys to networking a relationship is mm-hmm. it's just about providing value. It's about being proactive. Mm-hmm. It's about not asking, but having a, yeah. a group of people if you do need something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people, actually, I know a lot of people just missed the boat. And let's talk about another great story about networking. I'll say the woman's first name out of privacy. Her first name is Brenda. I met Brenda at an event in New York City, and it was less than 30 of us there. And it was an open forum. It was really to showcase a product, but it was a little networking. Brenda heard me say a couple things. Brenda's like, David, your story sounds really interesting. Could you reach out to me tomorrow and set up a time to talk? I said, of course. And she busted my chops. She's like, if you don't reach out to me by 12 o'clock tomorrow, I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> Which I respect her because you're being blunt and honest. Yeah. I reached out. We connected. She wanted to go to a campus event in New York City that I was going to and I was friends with the people running the entire thing. I said, Brenda, come to the event and I'll introduce you. Who do you want to meet? Her reaction was, you don't even know me. And I'm like, well, you know what, Brenda? We had a great conversation. You're friends with some of my friends from this other group. Trust. Trust is transferable. Exactly. I introduced a few people. Another event happens in New Jersey about a month later. Brenda, if you're going to go to the event, let me know. Who do you want to meet in New Jersey? I'll introduce you. I'm going with four or five of my clients. Two, I think, might be a good referral for you introduce her. At the end of the event in New Jersey, she goes, why are you helping me? I've done nothing for you, but you're still helping me. And I said, well, you have a great product. You have a good business. You have good contacts as well, too. And to be very frank, we've kept in contact the entire time. This is the least I can do is introduce you to some very key people in this cannabis sector. Well, from there, she actually lands several new clients. Because you know what? You never know. But she was just floored. She's like, I've been in finance for over 20 years. I never had someone be so outgoing and be so willing to help. And I'm like, well, you're a good person. 
and you had great contacts. Once again, you just pay it forward. I love that story and I hate that story. Yeah. Do you know why? I love that story because that's just you. Yeah. That's just <laughs> doing what you do. Yep. And I hate that story because it's a shame. It's like disappointing that people, they're on guard. Yep. She was guarded. Oh, she, she was extremely guarded. Yeah. She couldn't believe that someone was like, and I kind of find that sad. Mm-hmm. And I've had that experience 10 times at least mm-hmm. where people feel like, all right, well, they're looking for your angle. Oh, exactly. Where the angle is just to help, to benefit. Yeah. And it's a shame that they kind of, for whatever reason, and I don't know if that's because she would never do that for you. No offense, Brenda. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what it makes me think. Like, well, why? Because the better, I always say that there's a saying I love, it's a rising tides lift all ships or lift yeah. all boats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the better, I want to see you do well. Mm-hmm. I just genuinely want to see you do well. And I know, maybe it's selfish of me, the better you do, I know somehow I'll be in that wake. <laughs> Not yeah. that that's the reason that I'm doing it, but it just is what it is. But it's also, it goes back to, hey, you want to see people succeed. And this goes back to, we talk about why relationships fail. We're very selfish. Well, if he's doing that, why can't I be doing that? But how did he get that break? And not, I didn't get that break. And that's where I think a lot of networking relationships fail is that people say, oh, this is so one-sided. I'm going to stop referring him business. Well, no, if you want something, ask for it. Because that's the other thing is too, we haven't that's talked a, about. That's a good point. Yeah. People don't ask for what they want. I mean, when you and I talk, you're like, David, hey, how can I help you? Is there something, a certain contact you're looking for? As I had one of my friends, hey, he needs help with something. Do you know anyone? Could it work out? Sure. And that's where it goes is sometimes people are just afraid to ask. Why? What's the worst you can get is no. <laughs> and you're a basketball guy. I'm a basketball guy. And my father, when I was younger and I was always afraid to shoot the ball, my father used to say, listen, David, shoot the ball. Because either one of three things are going to happen. One, you make it. Great. Two, you get fouled, so you're getting shots, or it helps your team out. Or three, you miss it. Two out of three ain't bad. That's good. I like that. And, and I say that when you ask for something. Either you're going to get, yeah, sure, I can help you. Or, hey, you know what? I just don't feel comfortable yet doing that. Hey, let's nurse our relationship a little bit more and see where it goes. Okay, that's fine. Or it's a no. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Right. <laughs> hey, man, listen, no just stands for next opportunity. Exactly. You know. So any habits that you have, good, bad, or indifferent? One of my best habits is journaling. It's a really good habit. Um, I've been journaling probably since like 1999, 2000. Oh. Uh, probably. Pioneer, pioneer, <laughs> pioneer in journaling. Yeah. You know, it's just a, a great way just to get out any stress, get out your mm-hmm. thoughts. It's also a great way where to be objective rather than subjective. Mm-hmm. You might be really heated in the moment. Great. Write down your thoughts. Go back to a few hours later. And then you might say, oh my God, what was I thinking back then? Or, hey, let me take my thoughts and put them in a more productive manner that will help the situation. So that's one of my best habits. One of my worst habits is I don't read enough. Mm-hmm. I've never been a huge reader. And people ask me if you could change one thing over the last 15 years, 18 years of your career, what would it be? For me, I wish I read a little bit more when I was younger because I was very uh, guarded and jaded where I didn't want an outside book to influence my business decisions. I want to kind of learn on my own. Now I read more. But back then, I wish I read it more. What type of books do you typically read? Uh, more business books. Yeah. More, more business related. I've always been a fan of poetry. A lot of people don't realize I'm a fan of Shakespeare. Walt Whitman, Leaves of Grass is my favorite book. And Walt Whitman's my favorite poet of all time. So, uh, so when you are when you read now, do you do audio books or do you read paper? You're... I read paper. I'm old school. I need something to actually hold on to. Don't you mean this? You mean? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. still take out a pen and yeah. a pad of paper. Uh, I still write down certain notes. Audiobooks, I'm just still, that's just stopped me. Mm. What um, about podcasts? Do you listen to them? I'm slowly getting into podcasts. Actually, you're the one that actually get, helped me get back into podcasts. Awesome. Where I listen a little bit 
Also for a long period of time, I also never traveled very much. Now the more traveling I do, I listen to a lot more podcasts. Yeah, it's a good use of your time. Yeah. So a lot of people have been busting my chops for not asking formal questions okay. a lot of times because I usually we just talk. Yeah. But so if you don't mind, I no, just printed out random do. questions. I want you to just, yeah. how are we on time, by the way? Not worried. Okay. Don't look. Just put your finger down on any question. Just put All your right. finger somewhere and I'm going to grab one. She'll be like, big bucks, big bucks, no <laughs> ambience, and stop. Bam. <laughs> All right. Of course, you put it on a different one. Okay. When was the last time you changed your mind on an opinion? And how did that happen, or who can you attribute with influencing that decision? Whew. That's almost like the question that I asked yeah. you about whose opinion, who changed your yeah. opinion. But you weren't ready for that question. No, I think actually Instagram. It's probably about Instagram. Ooh. I was not allowed to have Instagram for over five years. Why? Where? When I was a CEO of a public trade company, I was extremely limited with my social media presence. Because people worry about investors and shareholders, so forth and so on. And Instagram just came out. It really, Instagram didn't come mainstream until about 2012. At that point, I was already the CEO. And my board director said, no, you're doing no Instagram whatsoever. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't want someone to misjudge you. And so I was pretty much very anti-Instagram for a while. Hmm. But then I actually went to a networking event in January of 2018. And I was wearing my cannabis pot leaf pants mm-hmm. and I was with two other people to do a lot of networking with and we did a photo and the woman did the photo goes, great. What's your Instagram account or what's your Twitter? I'm like, I don't have either. She goes, well, I ain't sending you the photo because it's either going on Instagram or it's going on Twitter. And for that, like the light bulb went off. And what year is this? This happened right now, January of 2018. Oh. This literally, well, you're making up for some lost time. Yeah. You've been doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I wasn't allowed it at all. And the person I was with was really into Instagram and kept on trying to tell me, Hey, you got to do Instagram. Like you're selling yourself short. Like you have a good message. Your motto of be willing to achieve greatness. People want to hear this. And I kept on saying, no, no, no. And that was like the light bulb that went off. And the guy I was with was the one who was pushing me. And he just said, listen, David, you're losing these opportunities here. You can use Instagram as a positive forum for people that want to buy the book, that people that want to listen to you, that people want to engage your services. Like you offer a lot of unique services, especially in the cannabis sector. And I was for the most part humble and shy. And I said, and I told the guy, I was like, his name's Ben. I go, Ben, I really don't know how to even start Instagram, where to go. And he was like, Hey, don't worry about it. And he helped me out for two months, just setting everything up and moving things forward. So that's just a great example was I was very anti Instagram. I was told how bad it would be, how much it would hurt me. And then in January of 2018, everything kind of switched. That was a great example of an opinion switching. Oh, nice. Excellent. That's great. We'll do one more because I know we're under the gun. Go ahead. Do a... And stop. stop. Whammy. All right. Good. You've already actually answered that question. All right. Switch All it right, up. Let me do this. All right. Let me ask. We'll go to the next one. Tell me something interesting about you that most people don't know. I don't know if I have it on film. Once again, the speech impediment. I was born with severe verbal apraxia. I used to only be able to hum words. The true story of how it went was I was six years old. My father was in denial that I had a speech impediment. My mom really wanted me to go to a speech therapist. And we're at the kitchen table like this. And I asked to pass the ketchup. Everyone knew what I wanted, but my mom made me say it out loud. And all I could say was, uh, 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 uh. All I, all I was at, six years old. Was six years old. All I was able to do was hum words. So I used to go to three different speech therapists, and I didn't stop going to a speech therapist. Until I was twenty three years old, which is why I use very simple words. When I get very excited, I'll stutter a little bit, or I'll say the word "dude." So a lot of people don't know about that struggle. And the second big thing about me 
a lot of people don't realize is that I actually played three sports in college. I played basketball, volleyball, and lacrosse. Not bad for someone who has 20 screws and two metal plates in his hand and has had three reconstructive knee surgeries on his left knee. Not only am I a physical therapist by trait, I'm also a patient myself (laughs) as well, too. Not only a member. What was that hair hair commercial or whatever? Yeah, not not just the owner, I'm the member. All right, I do have one more question. Yes, as many as you want. Who is the most impressive person that you know from a networking standpoint and what it is about that him or her that has impressed you? I have two networkers for you. Go for it. Uh, Because I thought about this ahead of time. You did? Uh, Yes, I did. Um, There's one guy by the name of Marco. Okay. We were reconnected through an adult softball league. Small world stuff. So reconnected. Reconnected. What's called a dormant tie, which by the way, sorry to interject, a dormant tie. There's two of the most powerful statistically scientifically they've done lots of studies on this that you've got two there's friends of a friend mm-hmm. and dormant ties are the two best connections from a networking standpoint in terms of getting a job raising money new ideas those are the two biggest areas so i'm not surprised to hear that that is how but so um, go ahead take it away but when it comes to needing anything done getting my car fixed needing new tires need an electrician need a plumber need a painter you name it, Marco's got someone. And usually no one can beat Marco's friend's price anyway. He's your got a guy Like friend. He's like, hey, you got a guy? I got a guy. So in terms of regional, that's Marco. Uh-huh. In terms of national, that's tough. But once again, I got to really say Chris Vaglio. And I think... Chris, this is the Chris Vaglio <laughs> podcast. And, and, and yeah. I, I think one of the main reasons why is this, is he's known me since my very first company back in 2004. So he's seen me through the last 14 years grow as an entrepreneur. He's seen all the different type of businesses I have. He's never judged me. He's never criticized me. He's always given a constructive criticism. And he's always say, hey, how can I help you? And to see someone help you out for over 14 years. Consistently. It's consistently. It's, and it gives you a step back and it makes you think like, when I talk about networkers, I got some people, yeah, for two or three years, they were great. For five years, they were great. And then sometimes you say, well, what happened to the relationship? And I've done some self-reflection. Like, did I drop the ball? But sometimes people just change careers. People retire. When I had my physical therapy practices, there was two doctors I did a ton of business with. They both retired. No, that means they don't, I can't network with them anymore. Just they're not involved that much anymore. So when I look at someone for 14 years to be that consistent, yeah. That really says a lot about that person. That's impressive. If you don't mind, one more question. No, you can ask as many as you want. The dormant ties. Let's talk about that. Have mm-hmm. you ever reconnected with someone that might have gone astray at some point? Because that's what happens. Life happens. You mm-hmm. know, people move, people have kids, people get sick, people, mm-hmm. whatever, they drop off. That's just life. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any instances of people similar to Marco? I got a guy, Marco, yeah. that you've reconnected mm-hmm. with. And I'd love for you to explain because a lot of times the biggest trepidation people have is that. Oh, they're not going to remember me, or, or the, and then that's bullshit, <laughs> you know, because they do remember you. It goes back to like the basketball analogy: two out of three things, either you're going to make it or you're going to get fouled. Yeah. All right. And this is it's funny that you bring this up because this literally just happened last week. A guy who is a physical therapist who owns his own practice out in LA. His name's Steve. Steve and I used to talk once a month for many years. After I sold my practices in 2013. We haven't really spoken too much. He actually reached out to me randomly two weeks ago when the Boston Red Sox made the playoffs. I'm a huge Red Sox fan. He's a big Mets fan. So we always joke around for one another. I like him. And so him and I always joke around for one another. 
And he reached out to me. He goes, hey, man, do you mind if I call you? I called him right away. I'm like, hey, Steve, how you doing, buddy? We didn't realize we hadn't talked in five years. He had a second son. Uh-huh. He got married. And we just lost contact. And he's like, yeah, I kept on. I was afraid to reach out, but I don't feel we have anything in common anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm like, we both studied for our boards together. We both opened up practices together. We gave each other advice, business advice on how to run PT clinics. Like, Doesn't sound like any connection there. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, just because I sold those clinics a while ago doesn't mean I, I've changed. We can still talk. And literally at the end of the conversation, we talked for about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. His wife started joking around being like, it's three o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. Who are you talking to? And I'm like, listen, you know what, Steve? I haven't heard your voice in a while. It was great just to catch up and you can't be afraid to reach out. And there are people, there's actually two particular people, I won't say their names, that I haven't spoken to in about three years, but I call them once every three or four months just to say hello. I'll leave a voicemail. I don't hear back from them, but I still just make that effort because you know what? You never know. I don't want anyone to be afraid to reach out to me because yeah. I won't be afraid to reach out to them. That's awesome. Anything before I let you go, any parting words, anything that you'd want the listeners that have been kind enough to sit with us to take away from today's conversation? I would say two things. One, the three pieces of advice if you're hiring someone or if you're talking to someone is be proactive, have the ability to listen and the willingness to learn. If you have an employee that will do all three of those things, they're going to be extremely successful for you. And also too, if you follow those three principles, you'll be very successful. And secondly, this goes a very long way. Do a good turn daily. Be the reason why someone else smiles. And that's something I tell a lot of people now. I love that. Where we have so much negativity. Just take a second. Hey, you know what? Your earrings look really nice today. You know what? Did you get a haircut? Just a small little gesture, small little compliment can make someone's day and it goes so much longer. Even, hey, you want to tip someone 25% on like a eight or $9 bill? Go for it. You know what? You're going to make someone's day. Do a small random act of kindness every day. Not only will you feel good about yourself, but you'll make someone else feel good too. I love that. You're the man, brother. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank Appreciate you for it. coming on, man. You're Definitely. Really, yeah, you did great. So many takeaways. I'm excited to get this thing out and spread your gospel. I appreciate yeah. it, buddy. Thank and, you so much. And everybody, buy the book. The Canvas Conundrum. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Conversations with Connors, a network-wise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network. The ones who succeed will network wise.